When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona continue to make news during this health crisis as we discuss some of the news coming from Spain. We also address the many transfer rumors that keep popping up. Our Latoro Martinez and Angolo Conte bringing their talents to the Camp Nou. We also answer some listener questions about the club. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, Madrid, Spain. And with me to talk some FC Barcelona news is Cole Ridley from Seattle. Cole, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's raining today, so this will be my first day where I probably don't go outside at all. It's a bit of a shame. <laughs> it had a decent stretch there. I, I feel like I keep updating everyone about my, my time in quarantine based on the weather because you're like we have a nice big yard where I'm in my living situation right now, so that really does dictate my entire day <laughs> if it's well, nice i'll go I mean, outside <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you i mean since we last talked i've shaved my head here you know you yes can see. yes uh my hair was completely out of control i was i couldn't <laughs> take it anymore so i decided to, to shave it because yeah again i don't know when i'm gonna be able to see my barber probably not till the end of this month so by yeah. that time my hair will be grown out and uh yeah just just hanging in there i've been uh i watched the match day documentary which we're going to talk about at the end of this episode and yeah, just, just hanging in there working during the week. And honestly, the week is fine for me during this quarantine because I have things to do with work and so forth. And the day goes by really quick. It's just like last night or tonight after we record, it's like, what am I going to do? You know, I have, I live alone and you know, it's nice. The first two weekends were fine, but now it's starting Mm -hmm. to get to the point where like, I need to like either talk to people or see people. So this is kind of, you know, I did the episode before with Alejandro and with you, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a nice talking point here of FC Barcelona. Yeah. Would you say the days are going fast for you or is it time kind of just mm-hmm. crawling? Just during the week it is. Yeah. During the week is definitely going by much faster. Just like I said, I wake up, I do my routine, I work. And then when I finish work, it's fine. And it's like the next day, essentially. You know? Yeah. And uh, but again, it's just the weekend. I don't have roommates. I live alone. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, like I go, I ha- I'm lucky enough that I have a balcony so that I can kind of see the world a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but still, man, it's, it's especially, you know, here in Madrid, we're so social and yeah. we just miss, you know, just like going out for a beer, you know, or having mm-hmm. tortilla, this type of thing. So that's, those are the things I really miss the most right now. But again, this is the thing we have to do to get through this. And again, I don't know specifically when we're going to be able to uh, get out of this, uh, by the end of this month, hopefully for for me, I really just want to be able to go walking because we're mm-hmm. really on a strict lockdown here in Madrid and we're not allowed to go walking. And, and I miss that the most, actually. Yeah, well, hopefully it's all over soon, buddy. 
Yeah, yeah. We're on the last stretch, right? That's what they say. I hope, I hope, I hope. Flattening the curve, right? Flattening yeah, the curve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as we, as we talk about, as I tweet, you know, during this pandemic health crisis, Barca just, you know, keep giving <laughs> us the hits, the news, the rumors, everything. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's so much uh, downtime. So all these people are dreaming up these rumors and these news, yeah. and, but also Barca is helping with that. And obviously the biggest news I would say in the last two weeks is the Barca board, right? So basically, uh, six directors resigned because they were anti of what was going on with the board. They were seeing a trend that's bad. And I think the first thing I want to talk about with this is, you know, I think it really just starts with in January, right? With the downfall of all the news, right? With the Copa del Rey, uh, sorry, the Spanish Super Cup, um, Valverde getting fired, the social mm-hmm. media thing. And I think what really hit it for me was the social media uh, news when they hired that social media company to come up with news about the mm-hmm. players. What about for you? I mean, I'm you know living here in Spain, I've been more aware about this this board yeah. and you know what's going on. But what was kind of the tipping point for you with this board? Uh, you know, maybe since January. Um, no, it ha- I ha- has to start with the social media thing because the first time I heard that, I I couldn't speak. You know, I, I'm a dramatic kind of guy, but I literally <laughs> couldn't comprehend that because it was too detailed and it was too like it it just was like you can't make that up you can't make that up that is some that has to be or some part of it needs to be true right maybe they weren't maybe the amount of accounts weren't an accurate representation in those reports or anything but just i don't know who can possibly create that in their mind and then spread that to kind of attack in a very direct sort of way so it just has to be true right and Valverde leaving the whole thing was a mess and then the big part for me is we hear a man who rarely ever speaks speak up and Messi got vocal on social media which uh, you know we can have all have our say about how to talk (laughs) on social media but um, since then, I think it's been three or four times. So yeah, that has to be a huge part too. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. It's the three. It's not once, not twice, but no. three or four times, right? And it's all about aiming back at the board because, again, when I heard the social media, the way it was reported, you know, it was investigated. The way the screenshots, all the information they yeah. had, it's just, it's not something that's kind of a rumor, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I want to know with that is how far back did it start, right? Yeah, has this been going, you know? two years, three years, and all the things that you're hearing, you know, the news that gets leaked out, is it because of this? And so that, for me, was the first thing. Now, you know, two weeks ago, the board members, they resigned. That's another tipping point, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but the board needs 13 members to yep. be, right, to be active. And with those six resignations, they were under the 13. But guess what? Bartomeu found those people to be in his pocket, you know, to complete <laughs> that 13 again. Yeah. But again, the the main guy that came out, you know, he comes out to the media and just starts spilling the beans, right? Because he yep. has nothing to lose anymore, right? And so yeah. he just kind of puts out there and he says, you know, that the money is being stolen from the team, and he didn't want to say names, but you can kind yeah. of, you know, infer who it is. And obviously that's Bartomeu. Yep. And again, if the money was used from the club for the social media and it's being leaked out that Bartomeu is, you know, using the money as well, the election has to be this summer. I mean, these are the, yeah. t- the things that you just oust a president for. Yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, federal crimes and this is <laughs> above anything that um, Barca has seen before. And that's pretty remarkable because we know yeah. the past with Roselle and and all the other presidents before. Yeah. So to to come out and say that someone's hand has been in the till and that being the person who Bartomeu appointed in January to be his successor, that is the part that, 
you kind of look at it and that's got to be true. He hired this guy specifically to take over if, you know, um, it hit the fan and it yeah. hit the fan a long time ago. But yeah. it, this was this was the doomsday control guy and he is now resigning and he's like, hey, I got nothing to lose. I'd like to think that some of it has to be for his love for the club, but it might just be, you know, he wants to punch Bartomeu right back. So we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see. Obviously, there's going to be legal action that takes place here in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, for, like Bartomeu is just so slimy, you know, like nothing yeah. sticks to him. He knows how to play this game. I, You know, mm-hmm. watching the documentary, you see more of Bartomeu behind the scenes and it's even more slimy than you thought. But oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, his actions and the way he interacts with the players and he's just always on the phone because he's so busy, you know, and, and it's just <laughs> incredible, this guy. And, you know, ultimately he has he will, I think, have one more year because I just think with all the pandemic yeah. stuff, it's just too hard to have an election and to call for a president unless you know, they find out that he actually was taking money from the club, then I think they'll they'll replace him immediately. But mm-hmm. again, it's just, you know, this kind of goes back to kind of government and this type of thing. It's like, is it better to have one person in charge or a management of people, you know? And mm-hmm. in this case, obviously, and I would say in the past 10 years or so, <laughs> having too many chefs in the kitchen, right? Just having too many yeah. people, too many voices and with no clear direction. Yeah. It- and it, yeah, it goes back because Bartomeu made comments last year after the loss at Enfield, you know, backing Valverde clearly. And that was when we wanted his head, we wanted both their heads. Yeah. But, you know, it, it always works out for him. Somehow it yeah. always works out. You know, this pandemic is probably going to keep him in office. I, I agree with you. There's no way if this does take place, the elections this this summer, I think there's a good chance that he remains because he might be the only one who has enough you know experience or he's the safer option of maybe yeah. changing it up entirely during a very difficult time financially yeah again it's 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 crazy because again you know we're going to talk about this next thing about this uh liga getting extension and so forth yeah. and the approval but if the if there's no more league and barca and the table is how, how it is barca wins la liga and that's another mm-hmm. la liga championship that is under bartomeo right and so yeah. he gets credit for that and obviously we're disappointed i i guess also i want to see someone you know i'm i'm over bartomeo i don't trust him i don't like his vision for the team and the club mm-hmm. i want someone to come in that's going to reestablish the connection of la masia and really fostering that relationship again to bring talent as well as bringing good talent, you know, free agents once mm-hmm. in a while, not every season, the yeah. highest paid players, because as you can see now, we're in an economic crisis with this team and it's going to continue if we're just still trying to sign these galactical players. Yeah. You and I talked beforehand and I, we're going to do a special episode for that next week, but it's not even like marketable players. You know, Coutinho yeah. sure isn't going to fly off the shelf. Griezmann's aren't going to, Paulinho's not going to fly off the yeah. shelf. It's, it's like, there's no direction in, in any of this. So I think that he'll get this credit for La Liga if they choose to cut it short and, it's just it's an it's one more thing in his favor that just might let him hold on for another summer. Yeah, again, like I said, this is, you know, when I try to explain sports to like women friends, you know, they're like, why do you like mm-hmm. sports? And I say, it's our soap opera. Like this yeah. is it. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's not only the on the field performance in the moments, but it's also the behind the scenes action. And mm-hmm. this is what keeps us so engaged in sport. It's like the behind the scenes, the free agents, the board, the man- managers and so forth. And yeah. again, this is what it is now leading to the next point, the RFEF. 
and La Liga are fighting. What's news? You know, what's new? Yeah. They're always fighting. These two guys, Rubiales and Tebas, they hate each other. They mm-hmm. don't trust each other. And it's, you know, it's funny. Like last week, Monday, REF puts out a press release. Tuesday, La Liga has to respond. Then it's just vice versa. <laughs> and it's just going back and forth. And basically what it came down to is that they're trying to, you know, come up with these ideas or conditionals if we can have a season again. I honestly think that we're not going to be able to have a season again, just the direction of how things are going. And if that were to happen, the RFEF wants the table to be finished, and that would just mean Barcelona would be La Liga champions. I'm okay with an asterisk. I think that the best thing to move forward is to get to get back to normal in the fastest way possible. And there's a lot of different reports. There's hundreds of different ways that not only La Liga, but other European clubs and especially the Champions League are, are planning to finish this campaign and fix this. And, you know, you're seeing things. It'll be back to normal in four seasons, in five seasons, in three and a half. You know, I think the best thing to do is to cut it. You know, the Euros already got pushed back. Everything will get pushed back. And we try to start the season on normal schedule. And there's just an asterisk. You know, this 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 is things that we did you know, neither you or I or our parents are around for it, but in, you know, the World War era, sports were just cut short. They just, they cut it right there and they said, you know, seasons are gone. That's it. And it was a huge financial hit, I'm sure. And that's, I think that's the best thing to move forward. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I would agree with that. I would go with that if you put an asterisk with this, because again, even though we did win the table, you mm-hmm. know, Madrid beat us in the head to head. And, yep. you know, if you wanted to go through the tiebreak like that, yeah. But, you know, fortunately, you know, again, La Liga is a marathon and we're just much better in the last 20 years in La Liga. And we just continue to have more points. And as it yeah. stands, I think we have more. We have two points. So we would be the winner. And like I like I agree with you, you know, I think maybe we just have to cut it and mm-hmm. try to start anew with September and try to evolve with that, with the new season. Right. And come in with these new players, new season and just try to start fresh, because obviously the season's been chaos. The Euros have been canceled. Yep. Champions League is in the in the rear mirror. Uh, yeah. You know, all these other countries are trying to figure out. But again, we won't know answers until we can actually like go out into the streets here in Europe. So yeah, until that happens, you know, uh, we'll be able to finish the season. But I, you know, I would agree with you to put the asterisks here as a La Liga champions for the 2019-22. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, this is a global pandemic. Shouldn't that be enough where everyone in the footballing community can come together and look at this and go, all right. You know, us Kules are not going to dangle this one in front of Real Madrid. <laughs> We're not going to dangle this this campaign in their eyes going, we beat you here again. It seems like a pretty justifiable reason to let this whole season wash away and restart. I mean, the whole it's not just Spain. It's not just Europe. Yeah. It's everyone in the world is taking this in different ways. And we don't know exactly how it's going to work at these global um, football clubs. We don't know the finances part, the personnel you know, how does how does this affect um, training and planning and all that sort of thing? So I think this is a pretty damn good reason to just restart. I would agree to again. Again, it always comes down to money and also pride mm-hmm. with these two guys, especially the two yeah. heads of these two organizations. I mean, Cole, I can't even tell you, like on the news, they just put <laughs> their faces and you, the way they interact with each other. They just hate yeah. each other so much. And I just think because one of the things, too, is Tebas has been the, the commissioner for so long, and he has such a good uh, formation with the previous guy who was in charge of the RFEF. And Rubiales came in and just shook everything, right? He's like, mm-hmm. we're going to use Wi-Fi, you know, like these new <laughs> technology. And then everyone's like, whoa, what? You know, I'm being, I'm being facetious on yeah, that. Yeah, but like yeah. He came in with, like, new ideas and trying to revamp things and just shake things up because – 
he's a, a younger person, you know, mm-hmm. he's not an old guy. And so they completely clash and it's always good for the news here. Now yeah. we were talking about the board and like I was telling you about my vision that I wish they would have more connection. And this really hurts my heart. So this one rumor that's been coming out of Barcelona is that Ricky Puig is future is in doubt. There are suitors that are trying to get him. He's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He is caught in the middle right now between Barca B and the first team. When Kike Setien came in, we saw the picture with his arm around Puig. Everyone was happy. He even got playing time in the first game. So everyone's like, oh my God, he's back. But we haven't seen him since. And the teams that are interested based on this rumor from sport, I think it's uh, based on the rumor from sport, the teams that are interested are Betis, Celta, Granada, and Ajax. How does this rumor make you feel, Cole? Uh, this, I mean, it has to hurt your heart, right? Yeah. That um, goes back to this whole thing of Setien in the very beginning was going to trust in the Masia and he's going to trust in the B team. And if they earn their place, they have every right to have it. And the people in the first team need to know this as well. But it's, you know, it is tougher and you do want to protect these young players. But this is a, this is a special talent from everyone you talk to about within uh, Barca's uh, La Masia community. This is a very special player. And so I think this might be a good opportunity to seize this and give him that early experience. Let him try to make a name for himself at this point. It's, you know, we can compare it to a, a Carlos Alanyan, him going off on loan. That obviously is not going to be the best move for us. Uh, you know, m- might be better for Alanyan in the long run, but um, if we're going to be selfish about the player, he's now leaving the club. He's learning a whole new system in a in a season that he absolutely would have been called upon with injuries yeah. and with how the season has gone or how it was going. He absolutely would have had a lot more playing time if if he only held out for just you know, four extra days and Valverde was gone, right? That's all it took. I mean, the thing for me with this is we need to have some sort of clear funnel to bring those players in and to guarantee a spot. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening now is we're just shipping him because they're not the next Messi and we don't have the patience. Now, I know coaching at FC Barcelona is really difficult because there's so many pressures to win immediately and the coach has such a short shelf time. But that's where the board, the sporting director, have to come in and implement rules and regulations to guarantee La Masia players getting in there. Now, I've always, when I was talking with Brian before, you know, I really want them to establish a kind of like an athletic Bilbao clause in the team where there's four spots guaranteed for La Masia players. I don't know, mm-hmm. four, three, let's say, yeah, that, yeah. right? And where those players have those spots that are going to be guaranteed because what's happening now is. Who do I want more? Do I want Ricky Puig to try to get more playing time or Tour Vidal? <laughs> you know, no I would rather see Puig. Exactly. Yeah. I would rather see Puig because I want to see what's in the pipeline. He's younger, more talented. And I, again, you know, those are just the situations I'm talking about. But again, it takes two to tango. It mm-hmm. takes the implementation and the strong leadership of the sporting director and the board to push that on the manager as well. Because if you go in knowing that you only have two years max with Barcelona, mm-hmm. you don't you don't care about La Masia players. You don't care nope. about Ricky Puig because you're going to be out and he's still not even going to be on the team. So yeah. there has to be this kind of cohesion plan together because we're going to we're not going to be able to a sign young players at the very beginning because mm-hmm. they're not going to see a light at the end of the tunnel in the senior team. 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea, having uh, a limited amount of roster slots for La Masia Town. I think that's perfect. You know, if we want to compare it to what UEFA um, demands of clubs with, you know, foreign players and, and yeah. that sort of thing, that's going to get really complicated. I think as a club, though, I can't think of a better club to have a thing like that. I mean, obviously, Athletic Bilbao, you know, they're famous for that. But at Barca, I mean, imagine... Puj, um, who else would you put in there? Carlos Alenia, who yeah. else do you got? Uh, maybe a goalkeeper, you know, because yeah. that's, that's what I would, I would always put a goalkeeper from La Masia yeah. because A, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. B, if the starter guy gets hurt, like you're still going to be fine, you know, because the team is so good usually. Yeah. A goalkeeper from La Masia should be good enough to be a stopgap. So I would say a goalie yeah. and to, that you save so much money with that, but also you give promise to these mm-hmm. young players because now they say I'm going to fight for that spot that's a guaranteed spot for the year yeah and like you said if they are called upon a keeper they're going to come up through La Masia playing a certain way they're going to be used to having the ball at their feet that's some not something that you could just buy in the market and go yeah this will work here right we didn't see it with Jasper Sillison we didn't see it with um, Bravo Bravo <laughs> at all he hated the ball yeah. at his feet but he yeah. he did the best he could and he did it very well but you know, if we imagine if we called upon a younger guy at the time, and that's just something we're like, okay, you know, we don't want as many shots this game. We really got to close that down because we're we're nervous there. But hey, we got no problem playing the ball back to him. We know this is literally the only way he's played for the last twelve years. You know, he'll be fine for one game to to pass the ball back to him. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And I would I would even be more selfish to do four because you're telling me like. For example, Alenia, the backup goalkeeper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's say Sergio Roberto back in the day, like two years ago. Yeah, and Ricky Puig as your as your you know those slots for the La Masia talent. Mm-hmm. You're still good enough, right? You don't have to sign every great player to be a yep. backup, right? Yeah. This is the thing, and also now you just have to be so much smarter with the economics. We're starting to see that, you know, especially during this crisis that everyone had to take a thirty percent decrease in pay but mm-hmm. that also becomes because of the bad transfer policies that we've been trying to absolutely play absolutely you know? and that that no that is that is all of it because we don't own uh antoine griezmann fully right we took a huge yeah. loan just to complete that transfer and there's no way that's been put, paid back based on how this season is cut short so that would have saved so much and yeah you know that's interesting because we we talked about that earlier too and we said <laughs> Uh, signing these Galactico players, but Paulinho's not that, you know, Andre Gomez wasn't that, but it feels like they're, they're just pulling someone out of left field. That's, that's the part that we're on. It's not necessarily that they're world-class players. It's that they're good in their own ways, but they're not Barcelona made. They're not made to succeed at the Camp Nou, you know, on that stage. Yeah, and again, you know, I was watching this documentary and they did a whole part about La Masia and Alenia. And basically, you know, last season he was getting limited opportunities and even less this season, especially mm-hmm. we thought he was going to get more when he started the first game. Yep. And, you know, again, this goes back to the same idea where the board has to have this overall vision and implement this to the manager somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to do that. Again, this goes down to our next point because. The biggest rumor, obviously, on Twitter, on social media, is, and this is not just now. It's been all season, essentially. Oh, yeah. Is the, you know, the Inter Milan forward, Latura Martinez. And I ask you now, selfishly, why? Why? You have here, <laughs> please God, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I want to know why. Why, why, why? 
And why do you want him to come so bad? For those who can't see me right now, uh, I got three thumbs up in the camera for Gabriel. Um, I think he would be a perfect player to learn from underneath Luis Suarez and have a season. Probably don't want Suarez on our payroll for any longer than that, but to have a season to learn from Suarez. And I think that he could be that number nine who succeeds his legacy at Barcelona because Luis Suarez is absolutely going to be a legend. And so those are big shoes to fill. And I think you have to find a player who has the mentality and who has the play playing style to become a big time player, to have a player of a big shoe legacy for himself. I don't know if that's an expression, but I think I just made it one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I don't want him. And okay. I'll tell you why. I'll yeah. tell you why. I know that he is the up-and-comer, the sexy player, Argentino, like everyone mm-hmm. wants this guy. But man, I am so over signing every forward every season and having a 10% success rate. Now, mm-hmm. I think that Griezmann can fill those shoes given the right opportunity. And he's already mm-hmm. on our payroll. So that to me yeah. is already that. And I would rather focus this free agent money if we can spend on the midfield because I think ultimately that's where we need more help as mm-hmm. opposed to the top. Now, Going back to this kind of philosophy with young players, La Masia thing, I want to try to bring up more players from underneath to go to the attacking because, again, the economics of this team is incredible, the salaries that's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, if you bring this player in, right, the the transfer fee is going to be astronomical. It's going to be above 80 easily, right? And, again, that's going to be our fourth straight year of signing a player over $100 million possibly. Yeah. And that's just unsustainable. And on top of that, I do like your idea of having him play under Suarez, but does he get playing time? That's yeah. the thing, right? That's you another – like, yeah. You know, does Kike Setien or whoever is the coach have enough, you know, have enough balls to put to bench him? Because I don't mm-hmm. see that happening because, yeah. as we're going to talk about in this documentary, the bromance between Suarez and Messi is the strongest thing I've ever seen since, I don't know. Bird and magic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Super strong, right? No, absolutely. I think that you, you bring up a really good point. If you wanted me to sit down and look at it in all aspects, financially, no, this does not make sense at all. He's going to be a player who is paid um, a lot of money. He's going to go absolutely to the top three, probably, of our total payroll. That's not something that Barcelona can afford, not with this recent track record of signings, not with this recent signings who are implemented into the team to do wondrous things and they go out on loan the next season. It it just it can't happen again. I'm tired of looking at it because <laughs> us we like to boast in the fact of La Masia and we can't do that anymore. And it's yeah. silly when we do because other fans, you know, who like to troll and, and whatnot can just look at us and go, well, name one player who's come out, the most recent La Masia graduate talent to come out and make a name for himself is Sergi Roberto. And yeah. I love him. He's, I absolutely love Sergi. But that was five years ago. Like, yeah. it, that yeah. it cannot happen anymore. And there's so much money being poured into these guys. Um, I think the only way to really, that I would like Lotaro to come is sending Greasy the other way. <laughs> and, I, and I'll disagree with you on that, that Greasy, I don't know that he can fill that role at Barca because he is a, he's a workhorse up front, right? He will press that back line and that's not something that Barca has had for a long amount of time, right? That's in uh, Griezmann's DNA from playing underneath Diego Simeone for so many years. And that I don't know that that is going to be something either Setien or Xavi or whoever comes in next is going to really want to press on with a number nine. 
it's, it's something that Suarez did for, I don't know, a total of a game and a half maybe in 2015. But it's it's not like <laughs> it's not like it, that's in our Barca playing style. And with Messi being the playmaking role and kind of drifting wherever he, he wants, Messi makes those smart runs where he does run to put pressure on the back line. But that's not something that they're strategizing. Leo does it because he knows when to do it. It's not a coach telling him to do that. So yeah, I yeah. think that I think that's really important too. Is it's got to be the coach has an understanding and like you said, do they have the balls to bench Suarez? Are they going to have the balls to bench Lataro? All of a sudden, we're going to have Dembele, Griezmann, Lataro, Messi, and Suarez all yeah. starting on the pitch, and yeah. De Jong is going to be our defender. You know? <laughs> exactly. Now this goes into the the next rumor. This comes from Mundo Deportivo, mm-hmm. and this is N'Golo Conte, and he's the Frenchman. He was on. Uh, you know, he's been playing for teams. I, I think he's on Chelsea right now. He hasn't mm-hmm. been that great. Uh, not as good as he was when he was on Leicester. Obviously, the workhorse. Uh, I'm reading this book right now, The Tactical um, Soccer History of Europe, like from 96 on. And this position in France is called the water carrier. Mm-hmm. And so he's been really good. Now, you have, obviously, before you said, please God, yes, Latoro. And then for Angola <laughs> Conte, you have, please God, no. And yeah. I am all for this move. Ah, I am all for this so, move because yeah. I think he would be a great replacement for Busquets. Yeah. Uh, this is remember, guys. This is why you subscribe to this to this podcast right here. <laughs> the banter. This is this is the new tandem. Um, I I don't know that Conte is going to do it at the Camp Nou. I think he might be able to do it at the Bernabeu, but he's a certain kind of player. And let's all remember, he's going to be thirty soon. Are we? Do we really want to splash cash like that yeah, for another yeah. guy? I, to me, I think he's a lot closer in ending up in the Dembélé, Coutinho, Griezmann transfer <laughs> bucket. Uh, it's not even like you know a bucket that that seems like a pretty good use for it, rather than a Suarez or dare I say his name Neymar. It, it, it yeah. it's it's not gonna. I don't I don't think that it's gonna work because he's approaching that age and he's a very smart mentally. A brilliant footballer because he 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 transformed that Chelsea midfield when he first arrived and he, he did wonders with Leicester when they won the Premier League that season. But it's not a role that I think Barcelona is going to taper too too well because I actually think that that Busquets role will never be replicated and I I worry that Barca will try to replicate that for Plug years on. Yep. Again, yeah. I you know with the Martinez and this Conte, it's all about formation, really, mm-hmm. for me. Because you know these players, I think obviously Martinez would work better in the four three three as the top striker. Mm-hmm. But obviously Conte, I don't know if he has the passing ability to direct traffic and do that role. I think obviously defensively he would be fine, but I think attacking and just doing that role that Busquets does, I don't think he would do it. Now, if we were to change the formation to a 4-2-3-1 or something like this, I think mm-hmm. Conte can thrive in that Yep, because then he's not the sole person, right? Imagine yep. him and Dion together. Oh, absolutely. Example, right? Love that pivot. Right? That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly, right? So then all of a sudden you have those two guys. You have Dijon who's crafty on the ball, good mm-hmm. enough on defense to like lead the attack. You have Conte doing all the defense there. So I think something like that would work. Obviously, it comes down to the coaching again, like having the flexibility, you know, I think the 4-3-3 is an old system now in that it's super difficult to perform and to perform in such a long term because it's taxing on these players. It's You have to cover so much space. And especially since we're never balanced anymore on the right side anymore, it's even worse. We just don't have the discipline. So with this Conte, we'll, we'll agree to disagree, right? <laughs> I, I think 
again, if the economics are right and the coaching is willing to adapt to having a different formation and not just plug him into the Busquets role, then I think it could work. But again, it depends on this, right? So yeah, I just think that Dijon should get that opportunity first before we bring in Conte. Absolutely. I think that Dijon, the the way that he has announced himself to the world coming from Ajax and the and the play uh excuse me the role he plays uh not only for Ajax but now for Barca is very important and I think that that is going to be something where he goes on to be a legendary player re- wherever he is and I just hope that he remains at Barca. The other thing I was thinking about the other day I want to ask you this is I was thinking to myself thinking, you know, if I'm Lautaro Martinez or if I'm this is the one example I had cuz Oh, I would never forgive the board if they did this. But let's say Willian. Remember those Willian uh, rumors? Yeah. Let's say he comes to uh, Barcelona. And you're Willian in that situation. You're approaching 30 and, and they knock on your door, right? You're absolutely going to listen to him. It's Barcelona. Now, yeah. l- let's let's fast forward and, and let's say, you know, you have your brother who's beside you on the other side of the door. And he whispers to you, Dembele, Coutinho, Griezmann, remember these guys. They were big, huge transfers, and they haven't really worked out. Do you want to be that? And so I'm, I'm, and then I applied that to Lautaro, and I thought maybe the players won't be pushing these moves anymore because that's something we saw with Neymar, right? That's something we saw yeah. with Dembélé when Barcelona came knocking. They did everything in their power to make it happen. That might not happen if we have another summer of terrible business. It, it really might. They, they're going to look at it and go. Something's not right over there, and I think I can succeed, but I don't want that pressure because it, it's building, right? It has to be. Again, this is so complicated because, you know, obviously the pressure from the fans is to win, and I mm-hmm. get that. But at the same time, I think you can win by still playing a, a brilliant brand of football, bringing players up, and also spending correctly on free agents when needed, you know? And again, just going back to the Coutinho thing, the Griezmann thing, you know, just players over $100 million, I think that's allowed, you know, to do that once every three or four years. We don't have to do it every season because it's been a proven thing. The mm-hmm. Galactico project is unsustainable. It just is. These players have to mesh. And if they don't like each other, they don't work because it's just such high-priced divas and free agents, mm-hmm. you're never going to attain that goal. The reason why... The Golden Era of Masia players were so good. Not only was the talent good, but they knew how to play with each other. Mm-hmm. They trusted each other, and they knew for such a long time. That's really hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is the answer, obviously, but I just think this is the way it should go going forward because you're getting the best of both worlds, right? You're getting free top free agents when you need to, but you're mm-hmm. also pipelining the La Masia people from yeah. below. I'd rather fail uh, an entire yes. season of play of playing nothing but La Masia graduates than spending absolutely unworldly amount of money on Galacticos who are going to smile for the cameras. I, I'd, I'd try our hardest with La Masia first. I agree. I like that point because I think even though that season would be a failure, let's say maybe they don't win anything, mm-hmm. I think you gained so much yep. experience just from that one year, right? So yep, absolutely. Whole, it's the know, potential moving forward. It's, it's the hope and the amount of progress that you make for the future, right? If if yeah. we want to if we want to go back and uh, and look at the ten most expensive signings in the history of football, the of uh, the top ten, the bottom three are Dembélé, Coutinho, and Griezmann. That yeah. this is coming from uh, BR Football, my guys over there on that podcast. That and they're not wrong. They're not wrong yeah. at all. That yeah. it, the bottom three all come from Barcelona in a two year span, mind you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And it always goes on to production and that. Now, yeah. let's move on to, I think, the fun part because I have so many thoughts that I've, I've you know, Cole, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an adapting person, right? Like, I yes. like to, you know, I'm not set in my ways. I like to change my ideas. And, yeah. you know, we were texting on WhatsApp in our group and so forth. And I told you guys that I finally watched the Match Day documentary. I just finished the last episode today. Okay. So it's fresh so it's in my fresh, mind good. this week. Well, and, yeah. So uh, I, ask away because you haven't seen yeah, it yet. Yeah. I'm just going to give you some pointers because I just want to ch- – I just – I've had to do a 180 on some of my thinking about the last season for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's do a little role reversal. Um, I'll ask you, Gabrielle, uh, has your opinion of uh, the great Ernesto Valverde changed at all? It has completely because there's two things. One of the things I was harping on last season and the season before was – where is the second assistant coach, right? You know, we always see, especially like right now with Kiki Zetti and his second assistants there on the field and so forth. And we were always seeing Valverde by himself on the touchline, right? Mm-hmm. Well, his second assistant during every game is in the press box analyzing all the tactics, okay? Oh. Now, that did a 180 for me right away because I was like, oh, okay. So the second assistant is doing the game. Okay. He's in the press box trying to get an eagle eye view. That's great. I thought that was amazing, right? Then I see the halftime adjustments. And Valverde was pretty right on the point with his halftime adjustments during what you see in the access. Now, obviously, it's not every match and so forth. But they're highlighting the the Classicos and the Liverpool uh, clash in the Champions League. Mm -hmm. And he's making good points. I'm I'm agreeing with him. He's saying, go here, go faster, do this and that. Mm. So now I'm confused because (laughs) everything I thought was, I thought Evie wasn't pushing enough these players. Mm -hmm. He wasn't getting the right tactical stuff, and he clearly is. Mm -hmm. So now I'm kind of going back to that I think it's just more the players – also, Valverde just not using the right lineups to push these players. I think the same thing. Mm-hmm. But also, man, they really did love this guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, the, the thing I remember when he left is every player posted about him. And that you yeah. know that could be just this world of social media, right? They didn't, they didn't do that when Pep left or anything. There wasn't social media. But everyone had great things to say about him. And from that moment, I changed my mind and I said, maybe there's something I don't know as much here. And I haven't seen this documentary, but there has to be something I'm missing, right? I mean, he was, I mean, you get more access about the practice. So you get to see like him preparing for the games and he, he's the things that I thought he wasn't doing, he's doing. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of like, okay, he <laughs> was doing it. Maybe he'd need to be a little bit more forceful or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. And just been more of a, you know, a hole essentially. <laughs> but man, those players loved him. He really had a good communication one-on-one with most of those players. Yeah. Now, I'm starting to think that obviously it's just more of the player's idea and also just the mix of maybe Valverde just had to push even further those players because sometimes he was too confident. Now, the other thing, too, I would add with this is his communication style. Now, that you have a lot of international players here. Mm-hmm. They do understand Spanish, but they don't understand everything in Spanish. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. maybe he just needed to go slow, very tactically analyze, pick players, and that, maybe that's my one little gripe. But overall, mm-hmm. I mean... Everything I thought that Evie wasn't doing, he was doing. And so now I'm, I'm kind of faulting more of the players. Yeah. So, kind of 180 at Valverde. I think he is a good coach, but I just don't think he's the right coach at a top-tier team like Barcelona. I think he's more up for an upper, you know, 75-percenter team, you know? Like yeah. Real Sociedad, for example. Or yeah. Or Bilbao, for example. If he, yeah, if he ever went back. You, you'd just say that maybe at, at a big club like that, he would struggle with man management. Is that kind of yeah. your overall take? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, you know, with this locker room, I mean, you know, you just see the interactions of these teams, and it's just the superstars are just crazy, right? Just mm-hmm. the clicks that they have and so forth, and he has to try to get into them, as we just talked about, because these are such high-priced free agents coming from left and right. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about high price. He wasn't a free agent, but talk about Coutinho. Coutinho and that relationship in that in that match day documentary. Yeah, I just felt sad for Coutinho in this. Uh, okay. I think Coutinho really struggled last season, obviously with the goal of Manchester United when he put his ears, you know, with blocking out the noise. And, and it's interesting because I... You can see him struggling, like in this documentary. They even did mm-hmm. like a highlight, basically twenty minutes of him with his family talking to his family and just kind of going over the thing. And again, this is one of my gripes, right? Where Valverde, where I saw the behind the scenes where he was trying to make tactical adjustments, he did not adjust to his players to put them in the right position. And this is where Coutinho falls in. Mm-hmm. And I think Coutinho was just, you know, obviously he was high priced. He really wanted to be. He had a really good uh, relationship with all the players. The players really liked him, mm-hmm. but he was just struggling game in and game out. And we saw that he wasn't getting enough touches when he gets subbed out. He was upset, and I just think it would be interesting to see if Kike Setien can revive his career because I still think he's a very talented player. Mm-hmm. I just think he needs to find the right formation and someone to just get him the confidence back again. Yeah, I agree. My two cents on the whole Coutinho coming back uh, to Barcelona, which is every day looking more and more likely. We know that Bayern's not going to activate that uh, purchase clause. I think that he absolutely deserves another shot, especially with the financial uh, aspect of it. We're not going to make a profit on this. Um, First of all, because of how it worked out for Coutinho in Catalonia, but also because of the pandemic. We're not going to make our money back. And I think that a player like that deserves a shot. He's still young. Um, it, with with the manager being excited about the possible return of him, that, what more do you need from that? You know that yeah. that, that gives you hope for at least we're going to give this a shot. He costs us one hundred and forty something million euros. <laughs> we better get another chance. Um, and if it yeah. didn't work with EV, you know that that's only strike one, I guess. Yeah. Um, so. You talk about the relationship with Coutinho um, in recent years, especially on Twitter. They love to talk about um, FC Broalona, or I think they call <laughs> on it. So let's talk about the band of brothers here. What do you what do you think about that from the uh, documentary? Yeah, you know, I I always knew that the Suarez Messi relationship was was you know was a bromance, but mm-hmm. in this documentary, you just get more of an idea of how strong it is. They have nicknames for each other. They just walk to each other's house and have lunch, you know, every mm-hmm. other day, essentially. And there's one moment where Suarez, he basically has a Uruguayan grill in his kitchen. Mm. Uh, he like, he's just like firing up logs and just has like a grill and Messi comes over, brings steaks over and they're just like <laughs> hanging out, just talking. And it's interesting because they were able to get access like this. And I know it's really difficult to act natural, you know, in yeah. front of cameras like this. But, mm-hmm. man, you get an idea of this relationship. They just talk about nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, man, they love each other. They carpool with each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is part of the reason why Suarez was not benched. You know, I think because of that strong relationship mm-hmm. that EV couldn't put his thumbprint on Maybe benching if he wanted to, but I also think you know we've seen this with Kiki Zedian now with that he still doesn't bench Suarez either, and I think mm-hmm. a lot has to do with that because Messi is his best friend. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question: is Do you think that that bromance absolutely was too powerful for Ernesto Valverde to do what he thought was tactically correct for at and during his time at Barca? Yeah, I think it has a part to do it, you know, because 
Messi has just so much pull, you know, he's the mm-hmm. captain. And in this in this documentary, you do see him uh, voicing more opinions, especially at halftime, you know, uh, his influence as a captain. But it's it's one of those things I don't I don't react well to captains who just speak just to speak in the audience. They're mm-hmm. not directly speaking to the team. Mm-hmm. That I was a captain of my team, and I was more direct. Like I'm, like we need to do this. You need to do that. That where he's just kind of spouting advice. He's like, we need to run faster. We need to get the ball. You know, mm. just kind of like you know generalizations. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But again, I think that has part of it to do with it, right? I think obviously mm-hmm. Valverde had a lot of faith in Suarez, and so he was just going to ride him to you know when he could. So mm-hmm. I think that has a part to do it. But man, this bromance is a lifer for sure. Yeah. Well, I talk about a bromance I have. He doesn't know it yet, but Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, what <laughs> more can you say about the guy? I mean, his recent comments about the wage cut thing and just everything he's done, he's he's destined to be a captain of this team. Would you agree? I think he's a better captain because yeah. what I from what I've seen and just, you know, his kind of his actions and so forth, I just think he's a better suited captain, especially in this documentary. A bunch of times he goes up to players and, like, will tell them stuff. Mm-hmm. But, man, I... My bromance for Ter Stegen grew deeper in this documentary <laughs> as well because, man, he is just right on, you know? Like, he loves Barcelona. He speaks yeah. multi-languages. He's mm-hmm. in with the players. But, man, if you see his training, like, I thought I knew his training, but pff, it's crazy. The yeah. training he does is ridiculous. His reaction times, the amount of saves he does in practice, mm-hmm. I mean, he's saving Messi a bunch of times, and like Messi is still kind of in awe of him as well. And they have a mutual respect for each other, mm-hmm. and you can just see how Ter Stegen is beloved by the team. Yeah, that's one thing that I always liked. I probably after the Bravo saga was over when um, Ter Stegen had the job won, and rightfully so. But he, I just had the sense that this guy is not only a fantastic player, but he's, he looks like a brilliant person. Uh, he's respected by both uh, both dressing rooms, you know, the, the crowd. They have a great sense of awe for this, this German keeper. And it, it kind of breaks my heart because I don't think he has that kind of respect back home, right? We see yeah. the dispute and, and about him and Neuer. We don't have to talk about this. This is a Barca podcast, but... Um, it's something that I'm looking forward to because I, I hope that we get this contract figured out and he does remain in Catalonia. And I think one day he's got to wear that armband when yeah. uh, Sergio Roberto and Busquets and, and uh, Piquet are, are long gone. So we talked a little about about this earlier, but um, what would you say about the Carlos Alenia situation specifically with Ernesto Valverde from seeing the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I'm still confused by this because, you know, for all the things that I changed earlier about EV, mm-hmm. I still think, you know, the fault of him is just not trusting the young players because they highlight in the documentary, the Alenia, especially the last part of the season when he was starting to get a little bit more playing time because, you know, we were out of Champions League and out of Copa del Rey, essentially. So yeah. he started getting more playing time in La Liga and he was producing, right? He scored a goal mm-hmm. against Villarreal and a really nice goal and he was getting more playing time. And again, he got the first start against Athletic Bilbao and then we never saw him again and transferred to Betis. Yeah. I want him to succeed. I like his playing. I don't know if he's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's bad. But I want to find out. You know, I want yeah. to find out with these things. You know, yeah. and again, I feel bad for him because, like we talked about it earlier, if he would have waited four days, maybe he doesn't <laughs> go and he gets more playing time and more confidence with Kiki Setien. Yeah. And again, it's just troubling because with these La Masia players, we love them so much because this is one of the things that we love about this team is yeah. the ability for them to promote. 
the young players and giving them a chance. I just want to close out with this with the documentary. I mean, everyone should check it out. It's really cool because mm-hmm. obviously you just get this locker room access that you never thought you would. And especially it's so recent. It's not 10 years ago. It's last season, you know. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to talk about is just PK. Now, I love PK. I think PK has been an amazing ambassador for Barcelona stuff. But man. I mean, he's one of those guys that you just like, he needs to be more serious sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Like a lot of times in this documentary, he's just always joking, but like joking too much, you know, mm. and taking things not serious enough sometimes. And especially in the Liverpool match, I think that's the one thing that stood out me in the Liverpool match in the Anfield, mm. how tired these players were at halftime. They were mm. all gassed and you could just tell no one said a word at halftime in the Liverpool Anfield yeah. match. And Valverde tried to animate them, tried to tell them, you know, you're doing fine, you just need to do a couple of things. But man, like Jordi Alba was gasping for air, Luis Suarez was on the ground, like, and it mm-hmm. was just troubling to me to see that because we saw that on the field, but then trying to get your breath at, at halftime is another thing when you actually see the access, you know? Yeah, that, I remember seeing that on Twitter and, and the basic reactions were the game was lost as soon as the player, as soon as the halftime whistle blew, right? Before they even you got know. to the locker room, that was it. They, the players looked defeated. They knew what was going to happen. And I think it was 2-0. I don't think I don't yeah, think it was yeah. all gone yet. It wasn't square even. Um, another thing is to mention... Um, for the listeners out there is that it's not available in the US yet although if you are good with a computer and know how to do <laughs> how to find things that are super legal and and whatnot um you'll be able to watch it uh, but if you guys follow us on social we'll definitely keep you guys updated and we'll let you guys know as soon as it does hit the American market on Amazon or whatever it chooses to arrive on um so let's do some last bit Gabrielle, uh, I got a question for you since we're this good episode of La Masia Praise and what we mm-hmm. want it to be. What is the one player that got away that you would want back for Barca um, for good? Let, let's not just say short term, but one player that got away, he either came from La Masia or he was um, young and arrived at Barca, but then we, we sold him off. Who would you want back? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean... You know, we were lucky with this last crop, right, with the Mm -hmm. PK, you know, Pedro, those guys. I mean, there really hasn't been a player that's gone away that I wanted back. It's more like, for example, like right now, I would say in the last two years, the player I really want back, and he's not a lot of my seed product, is Todibo. I really want to see what he can do, right? Okay, yeah. But there isn't a player that I fawn after. I was like, oh, man, he's the one that got away. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, football is so tricky, right? It's all about luck, opportunity, and who believes in you, right? And that's kind of the trajectory. I mean... For example, in the documentary, Clement Langley comments about this because his little brother is looking up to him. He's, his little brother is like six years old or something. He's like, mm. I'm going to be a professional player. And he's like, look, you need these three things. And it's very difficult. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I don't know if it's a player. Maybe the one player I would have said maybe we should have kept him and tried him out a little bit more was Tiago. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. That was I the think, one I was going to choose. It, yeah, it, I think, yeah. I, I think, you know, especially seeing. The two to three year span when he was at Bayern with Pep, you could see the potential. And I think he would have really clicked well, obviously. But, you know, he had a lot of injury issues and stuff. And we gave him a lot of opportunities and Mm -hmm. it just never came through. So I think that would be the one player right now for the last, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. I'll I'll conform with uh, Barca Twitter (laughs) and say Tiago is definitely one. I I don't know that I would have wanted to keep him around maybe up until today. But let's say we never got rid of him. He would have been fantastic for when Xavi was falling out, for when um, Iniesta eventually made his departure. And I think that it absolutely would have been the right thing to do from a La Masia part. And 
you know, there's so much to his playing style. And like you said, uh, when Pep, Pep absolutely brought him to Bayern, right? Pep gets hired. And the next thing we know, Thiago's on his way out. Like it was so clear as day, you know, Pep probably had a conversation and president was like, you get one, pick one. And yeah. Pep's like, okay, I know exactly who I'm picking. And he picked right, right? He he know he knew exactly what he could do with Tiago and he knew the potential that he had in him. Yeah, again, it's just unfortunate they have those Alcantara ligaments, man. You know, yeah. his brother. I mean, yeah. for all the flashes <laughs> and you know, talent that they did have, you know, their knees just didn't give them the opportunity to be so consistent throughout both their careers. And so again, that's why I would say, yeah, maybe him, but at the same time, you know. I don't think we missed out so much because of the inconsistency due to injury. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, another question we got, for, we asked you guys, um, we asked, what would we do exactly with players that are on loan? So to mention a couple of them, we have Rafinha on loan, uh, Carlos Alenia is out, uh, Juan Miranda, Kukurea, um, Oriel Busquets, Toribo. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think you do with just some of those places that I just mentioned? Yeah, the only ones I would that I'm faithful to that I want to bring back is Alenia and Toribo. Those are the two guys I really want. The other ones I can still leave out. I'll be fine with that. Like mm-hmm. Rafinha, I think, can still benefit being at Celta and so forth. But again, Busquets, Oriol Busquets, I think he's still too young that he'll make an impression in the first team. But I think Toribo and Alenia are right at that right at ripe age. And I want to see if they can handle it, mm-hmm. if they're good enough, if they yeah. are good enough to be on the Barcelona team, but we're not going to know if we just keep shipping him out because we might be losing out. And Todibo, for one, I really think that he can definitely help us, especially in the back line, just giving us another dimension because of what we've seen. I haven't seen enough. I'm not saying that he's going to be a great player, but I want to find out. Yeah, I think it's it's he's worth a shot, right? I mean, yeah. he's young, he's 20 years old, and from what we've seen at Schalke, uh, he's been brilliant so far. He's made a name for himself already there, and I think he worked himself into a pretty regular starter just before all this happened. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's not a really a whole lot this season in particular. I think I would have liked to have seen Carlos uh, Perez stay around uh, because of mm-hmm. the way that he. I thought maybe he could have been kind of like a Pedro worked his way through and eventually, you know, brought himself to a, a very consistent bench player. Um, unfortunately, he's gone for good now, but Musa Wage yeah. is another one that I, yeah, I don't yeah. really see kind of returning. I, I would like to see Juan Miranda, but he's that he's that example that we were talking about earlier. Is He did come from La Masia, and he knows the playing style, but he actually doesn't quite fit it. He's like 6'2". Yeah. He's, he's a different kind of... of physique than what we're used to especially in a fullback um yeah. maybe if he learned to play more centrally but that's another one that i'd say maybe let's give it a shot but you can't guarantee time and i think like you said with the situation of rafinha it's better off elsewhere and that's when it gets tough i mean why why do we have to have substitutes that are high priced yeah that's what i don't understand i mean I know there's injuries and things that can help, but I just want to see these young players who are hungry, who are going to push the veterans, because that ultimately is going to create competition, and that's going to raise the level of the veterans, you know? Mm-hmm. If you have veterans there like we did last season, I mean, this is the, the biggest key. I want to be able to see Todibo pushing whoever, mm-hmm. Vidal or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cucurella, for example. I think we have lost sight of that. I think Cucurella has been a proven commodity in La league in the last two seasons that I think it would be a fine replacement Absolutely. for Jordi Alba, you know? And we're, we're pu- plugging and playing with these players that we think are going to be good, but they're not. 
and we keep paying so much money. So yeah. I want to go to the last question. We got this from yeah. Instagram from JCVille17. It's just, what would you do with Dembele? So last question here, what would you do with Dembele? I, I'd say <laughs> I'd say my clock is about halfway done with Dembele. He's 22 right now. He is just made a huge transfers, transformation with his physique. I don't know if you've seen pictures of him, but he looks like he just has a two necks now. Um, <laughs> he, he, he looks a lot different. This was um, not after the most recent injury. It was the one that kept him out for the first part of the season. Um, he made that okay. big change in Dubai. He, he really bulked up, and I think that would have helped him with his injury. Um, I don't know what it would do to his playing style or his playing ability, um, exactly, but I think you have to give him the man another shot. From what he was able to do at Dortmund for just one season was brilliant, and he was playing with um, world class players up front, sure. But now he's moved to Barcelona. He's got even bigger talents in front of him. And from the spurts that he's given us against Inter Milan, man, that solo goal against Inter Milan with nobody on the pitch, right? He was the kind of the big guy leading the front line that night. And the solo goal against PSV in that same season, he's had all these moments that tell us he's worth the 105 million euro. But he just hasn't won us over yet. And I think the key word there is yet because I think he deserves more time, especially returning from this injury. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm at 50% as well. I just, I, it's just really unfortunate because of the injury and the style of injury that he's getting. And Mm -hmm. obviously you know that Barcelona are trying to explore and trying different things and it's just not working. I really hope they find the keystone just like the Warriors did with Curry, right? Where he had so many ankle injuries and he really had to transform his whole body, his Mm -hmm. core and the way he ran to avoid these injuries. And now we've seen what Steph Curry can do and he won multiple championships for my Warriors, but I hope something can happen because I think, you know, just like you said, these moments that he's had, these brilliant goals Mm -hmm. and the speed that he possesses is just brilliant, right? I mean, when I watch him, I I just get super excited. I really hope it works out because obviously for two reasons, the money we spent and I just want to see him succeed because if he succeeds, Mm -hmm. we succeed. Absolutely. Ultimately, you know, is the the most important. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a pretty close to cut even I think when Dembele's time is up I because he's so young I still think he's worth a lot of money we're not going to get all of our money back so if you want to look at it from a financial point you absolutely have to give him another shot because he might just hit the moon and if you really don't like the player you're going to get your money back on him but right now you wouldn't so there's no yeah there's no point in in cutting him off so early yeah I'm well I think we I think we hit everything I mean yeah. again watch the documentary go la masia bad on transfers right so that's yeah. basically the the, <laughs> the <laughs> resuming of all this so, uh, yeah. So, again, we're going to have another episode. I think next episode we're going to dive deep into this transfer policy and just kind of really dive into the numbers because I think it's an interesting thing just to really kind of look at the accounting. Because, you know, as we talked about earlier before we recorded, it's one thing we think it's a big number. I I assume it's going to be a big number, but we mm-hmm. want to break it down and kind of go through that. I think we're going to break that down for the next episode. So, again, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll have more episodes coming up next week as well because, obviously, FC Barcelona is the club that keeps giving news <laughs> during this pandemic. So, yeah. uh, until next time, Visca Barça. Yeah, cheers, Kules. Sports Social Podcast Network.